Cowboy, welcome to the Outstanding Life Podcast. Man, I, I can't thank you all for tuning in and listening to today's podcast. Today we have a special guest. I'm actually in my hometown. I'm in Michigan. Today we have Mr. Jimmy Bones, mostly known as the longtime keyboardist and background vocalist for Kid Rock in the Twisted Brown Trucker Band, as well as being his own solo artist, singer, songwriter, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jimmy Bones. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man, how are you? Absolutely outstanding. I can't thank you enough, and I can't thank uh, Todd Brown here at uh, Piano Nations for letting us hang out here. This oh place God, is amazing. Place. Yeah, I'm going to move in here. You got, like, you, you there's got some so great many friends. pianos here. I'd go, I'm going crazy. I'm, Look at <laughs> this one. Look at this one. Let's play this one. <laughs> well, I think you, you know. went through, what, three, four, five, six yeah, pianos? Yeah, until I found this, this one right here, which is an absolute beast. It sounds amazing. Oh, man, I, you know what, again, I can't thank Absolute. you enough for hanging out with us here on the Outstanding Light Podcast. Jimmy, I have to know, is Jimmy Bones your God-given name at birth, <laughs> no. or is that something that uh, you made up later on in life? I didn't make it up, actually. It was somebody else made it up, but no, my last name is Trombley. Okay, so, do you, so. Is, are you legally Jimmy Bones now? No, no. Okay, so that's just, like your nickname then. Or? Just JimmyBones.com, J-I-M-M-I-E-Bones.com is, yeah, that's mine, but legally. Oh, okay, <laughs> so how did, where, where did the whole Bones thing come from? You know what, I... Uh, Mafia? You know what, that's kind of a thing. When I really started using it, it was funny because I was reading The Godfather, and... There was a few people around Roseville when I was growing up that I was, you know, pretty skinny. I always looked like I needed to eat like way more Krispy Kremes <laughs> or something. And and um, you know, I was probably in high school. I was probably ninety eight pounds soaking wet. You know, so um, they were just like, "Hey bones, hey bones." <laughs> Plus with 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 Trombley. Trombone that right. started out, you know, in about the second and third, because you know, little kids are so nice, right? Know? Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. So you know, it, was, it never bothered me, but right. yeah. Hey, trombone, hey, trombone, Jimmy Bones, uh, Bones, and then I was reading The Godfather, and this was, you know, I was writing, and you know, I was always James Trombley or whatever when yeah. I was in bands and everything. And making his bones that kept coming up in the Godfather, you're making your bones. And, and I'm like, that's got a really cool ring for it. what more rock and roll name could there be than Jimmy Bones? Yeah. You know, um, so that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's kind of where it came from. So you yeah. grew up in Michigan. Yes, sir. And music yeah, wasn't man. your first love, man. You actually wanted to be a farmer. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Ever from my earliest memories, I was always up in uh, the thumb of Michigan here on County, just north of Ubley, Michigan. And my great-grandparents, um, they farmed that out, uh, up there right on Helena Road. And um, by this time, they were long gone. But my grandfather grew up there and pretty large family. Well, his two brothers, 
still had the farm and they were farming very active, very successful. I mean, always had wads of cash, you know. So yeah, farming was very <laughs> successful for them. And uh, I would stay up there in summers and um, if you've ever seen the movie Secondhand Lions, my, my upbringing was kind of like that. I'd get shipped up and be with these two bachelor uncles who <laughs> lived life by their own rules, yeah. you know. And there was no messing with them. And I mean, these guys worked. I never saw anyone work as hard and then go to the beer garden and put away copious amounts of beer and shots, you know. Yeah. And, you know, hanging around with all these Polish farmers and then still get up the next day at 5.30 in the morning to milk cows and feed cattle and feed hogs and work as hard as or harder than anybody yeah. I've ever seen. And it really, you know, I, it, it, it's definitely left a huge impact. On Absolutely. Me. Because as a lot far of as your music work too ethic and, is like that, you know, it's a whole blue collared type. Yeah. You know, your, your new and music simplicity and- of living, you know, um, because of that, I got a window into another time. I really did. Yeah. I, they were, you know, they're still doing things the way that their fathers and grandfathers did it back in the early eight, the mid 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s. Cause they were, you know, I'm, I was up there and, and yeah, I was around people that were born in the 1890s and 1880s, you know? Yeah. So I'm just, da- I'm dating myself. Now. <laughs> so, so why music? Like, <clears throat> like how, like how did you discover music and, and why the, why the piano? Well, it's it's uh, something that that I started very young, recognizing that that I had a like an intuition for music, and um, I'm old enough to where I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, and then the Rolling Stones and the Temptations and the Supremes. We would be at my my father's parents' house, you know, which was down in the city. And every Sunday, he would have to watch uh, the Jackie Gleason show, and then he watched the Ed Sullivan show. And my dad's youngest sister was still in her late teens, and she's like, oh, we have to watch Ed Sullivan tonight. The Beatles are going to be on. And I was like maybe five years old, you know. And um, I watched that, and it blew my wig back, you know. Well, (laughs) not much of a wig. My mom used to shave my head in these butch cuts when I was a kid, you know. My grandma would always be like, why don't you let his hair grow, you know, but they, you know. So that's pretty that cool. That was the so thing music, in the 60s, you know. The Beatles, the Stones? The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, you know, the Kinks, yeah. you know, came a little later. But yeah, I did see when Motown, and I did hear on the radio, I heard Smokey Robinson and Supremes and the Four Tops and the Temptations listening to CKLW in Detroit and yeah. Keener 13, listening to the Motown and all the stacks and all of that stuff when it was current and having its time on the airwaves. And that also left a major, major impact on me musically, on my approach to playing, I'm on, on songwriting for me. Um, you know, so I mean, I've got a, I've got a song called uh, um, "Can't Get Enough of You," and it's like directly out out of Motown. It's like one, two, three, four. I had many wine and whiskey nights everywhere I go. Too much of those good. 
never find nobody fine as you Just a country boy needing just one girl I can't get enough of you It's R&B, man. Blues and R&B. How old were you when you got your first piano? Uh, we actually, I've never had a piano lesson in my entire life. So I've never, do you read music? Or all by ear? Enough to know I should probably just turn down if, and you know, I'm not going <laughs> Well, I think like, it- No, I, I did. I started out, what happened was, and I was probably about 10 years old, and um, my- my parents bought a Hammond organ, you know. It wasn't a B3. It was an M, I think, an M100. It was still, a, a, you know, the tone wheel organ. Yeah. Same tone as a B3, same guts, but in a, more of a spinet form. And it was kind of meant more for my mother and, and my sister. And you buy this organ from Grinnell Brothers in, in Detroit, and you got 10 free organ lessons. And so they messed with it, and they were like, well, do you want to try it? And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Because they noticed me, and I was a big hockey player, too. Yep. I was a big hockey fan. I never played organized hockey. We didn't have the money for that. Mm-hmm. But, but um, I did play hockey daily over at the church pond and yeah, everything. Yep. And, um, and I used to watch Hockey Night in Canada. And I, was, I, I think one day I was actually playing the Canadian national <laughs> anthem because you know I used to hear it in the Toronto Maple yeah. Leafs games and all of that, or Montreal Canadian games. And uh, they're like, maybe you should try this, you know. And my mom and my sister kind of fell off, and I just ran with it. And so I maybe had maybe three, four years of training on a Hammond organ and learn how to kick bass pedals and, you know, jazz standards. Mm -hmm. So limited sight reading, but it wasn't like like the way you would read um, piano music a proper piano player, you're reading bass and treble clef at the same time. You've got two staffs and, um, you know, I was, I never was taught scales and all of that stuff. And, and, you know, it was basically a melody with the chord. It was like, like what you would call what the jazz guys call the fake book or a real book, you know? Right. You know? So, so 10 years old, you started and never stopped. Never stopped. No. When was your first band that, that, that you got asked to be in? I was probably, I think, about 15 years old. No kidding. So just about five years after you picked up yeah, the, uh, yeah, the yeah. piano. And I, um, it you were funny in what, because, high, high school? because I was in high school and I had started messing around playing harmonica. My grandfather played harmonica and uh, he always had one laying around. He would play all these great polkas and obetics. We were Polish, you know, right. so he would play all of that. And he was really good at it, and I would try to emulate him. And he'd be doing what he'd doing all this tongue work where he was, you know what? And I, I wish I would have brought a harmonica. I, I had one set aside, and I don't think I brought it. But um, he would be playing the melody and then using his tongue to do this, the chords, you yeah, know, in three yeah. quarter time or whatever. And then I kind of fell into the blues, listening to a lot of blues and everything. So I started playing that and, and trying to learn that. So I'm in there playing in class one day, just messing around playing, trying to sound like little Walter in my, you know, in my, my fake, you know, my weak attempt at it, <laughs> you know? And, uh, 
And he's like, hey, can you sing? And I said, yeah, man, because I knew I, I had been singing from a very early age when my parents went out and bought those Beatles records after, you know, they had appeared on the Ed Sullivan show. I was listening to it. And the one thing that I noticed was all the backing vocals and harmonies. And I'm like, wait, there's something other going on and different notes than what the main, main line is. I didn't know what it was, right. but I was picking them out and I was like finding those notes. And I, I kind of taught myself how to sing harmony, you know, from listening to the Beatles, you know, listening to one of the biggest records that, that taught me how to uh, um, sing backing vocals was Deja Vu by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Yeah, yeah. And then the first Crosby, Stills & Nash record. So, uh, so yeah, he, I said, uh, his name was Don, and, and uh, he's like, can you sing? And we need a singer. And I says, yeah, let's give it a shot, man. So he's like, all right, we'll pick you up, take you over to band practice tonight, you know. So I went, and the first song I ever sang with them was Going Down, you know. Right. You know, the Freddie King song that Jeff Beck Are you later, play it? later covered. I can mess around a little bit. First this one. is going to be a little game of, let's see if Jimmy remembers any of it, because we haven't uh, done any shows in a while. I love that. So that was the very first song for the very first yeah, band. Yeah, that and Never In My Life by Mountain. And uh, But I was only singing. Did they freak no, out? Did their eyes get they like, were super like, big? Yeah, kind of like they're looking around, and I see these guys looking around, and I'm like, wow, I must really suck, man. They're, like, they're getting ready to bounce me right now, you know? And I had, I played harmonica in the song instead of playing yeah, playing piano. piano. I didn't have a piano with that. You know, they didn't have one there. So they're like, you want to join the band? And I'm like, what do you got? You need somebody to carry your gear or something, you know? And uh, they're like, no, we need you to sing, you know? So, yeah, we were, it was a band called Crossroads, and... Um, um, it was, it was, I think I was a, maybe a, a freshman or no, it was a sophomore in high school. And, uh, we were playing high school dances and church dances and the VFW hall had teen dances on Friday nights in Roseville and, you know, playing all of those things. That is Garages, so cool. basements, whatever. So I heard you know? a story of uh, one time <clears throat> that the cops came 
yeah. to, to a one or two parties, mm-hmm. and they actually stayed to listen to you guys play. Yeah, because it wasn't really that late. It was like 7 o'clock, and it was summertime, and, you know, there were some people hanging out, but nothing, you know, there wasn't anything anything wrong going on. We were just practicing. You I know? mean, how cool and is they that? Would, they would hang and listen and everything, and, and they're like, yeah, these guys ain't out causing trouble. They're actually right. doing something. We, but we have to kind of make an appearance because a few neighbors called, and we're, they were just, okay, so if you can turn down a little bit and make sure you quit by, you know, a decent hour yeah. so that we don't get called. Make, make sure we don't get called again. So, so you go from the garage bands to playing at the, you know, the dances and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. How did you meet Kid Rock? Oh, that's way, way, way later, man. Wait, way, way later? <laughs> that's way, way later in the story. Um, I was actually uh, in a band. Um, we were signed to RCA Records, and it was Robert Bradley's Blackwater Surprise. And um, Out of Detroit here? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Robert was a blind street singer that, that sang in Eastern Market. Busker. Yeah. But he would be out there, and he just had this just booming voice beautiful singer and a great songwriter and um he would be down in eastern market and he'd have his guitar case open and playing these songs and it was right in between marvin gay and uh and and otis redding and al green totally in that wheelhouse yeah yeah all the songs and he would just play and people would stop and he'd walk out of like 800 bucks cash and you know <laughs> on a good day you know at eastern market in detroit well he was doing it pretty close to white room studios which was on griswold it was owned by mike and andy nira they were in a band called second self it was on epic records for a time and the drummer um, jeff shaky folks um walked down the street to get a pack of cigarettes one day and Robert was in um, the park right there at Griswold Mm -hmm. and um, he hears this singing going on and he goes over there and he starts talking to him you know and and um, runs back to the studio grabs Mike and Andy and they he's like you got to hear this they go see this guy and bring him back to the studio, convince him that they're not going to hoodwink him (laughs) and rob him and all of that. And they bring him back to the studio. Like we own a recording studio. We've already been signed to a major label. We want to record you and back be your backup band. And they're really good players, great players, same kind of influences have that Beatles, Stones, old R and B, blues you know chops and everything so it was a very natural fit and ended up getting signed to rca records so they asked me to come along and and be the keyboard player and i played along on the uh, first record um played a lot of the did a lot of that recording and we recorded it at white room studios in detroit and um so bob ritchie kid rock was working in the B room, and I think he was working on early morning Stone Pimp at the time. And uh, he'd be running around, and they 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 let him work there and everything, and they you know kind of had a deal going with him. Mm-hmm. And um, so he would pop in and listen and do this and that. And we also shared a rehearsal place, so I would show up early for rehearsals, 
and he'd be getting ready to do a show. He'd be in there with his band because he was starting to use live musicians as opposed to um, just working. At, the, at that time, it was DAT. Mm-hmm. All the rap guys were using DAT, DAT players yep. and stuff like that, if not, you know, turntables entirely. Um, so he was starting to, uh, you know, follow in the ways of the Beastie Boys and some of the other guys that were starting to work with live musicians. And um, I'd fire up my rig and just start playing along with them because it was, you know, very groove-oriented stuff. You yeah. know the key. You can fall right in. And um, he's like, hey, if you're not on the road, can you do some live shows with me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. He goes, as a matter of fact, if you're at the studio this week, can you lay down some, some tracks for me on, on my stuff? So, yeah, I ended up playing piano on Paid, which is on Early Morning Stone yep. Pimp. And then later, after we were signed to, a, to Atlantic Records, it's also on, on uh, The History of Rock, which was the record that came after Devil Without a Cause. But, um, but it was funny because, you know, I hadn't met him yet. I had heard of him. And uh, the first day that I went in, Mike and Andy Nira and Jeff, they said, come on down and let's, you know, just jam with us and Robert Bradley. You don't have to bring anything. We got some stuff there. So I walk in and there's a Hammond organ, you know, not a B3. It was, you know, something more portable, you know, um, like a CX3 or something like that. And um, so I'm playing it, and still to this day, I use a B3 on the road, and I buy manuals of junk organs keys because I break keys, you know. <laughs> any, any organ player worth their salt breaks keys and gouges themselves on them, you know, and there's blood all over the keys and everything. So when they pop up, it's like this, and there's a knife edge, and you do something <laughs> like that. And uh, sure, I I bust one of the keys on their organ. And I'm like, oh man, who's this? this I, I'll pay him. The, I'll get it fixed. It's oh, it's it's a guy, Kid Rock. And I'm like, oh, I've heard of him. So years later, um, you know, we had already I, we used that organ. It had been fixed. The key got fixed and everything. We used that organ when we first started touring. You know, when we first were going out on tour for Devil Without a Cause. And uh, we were on the Warp Tour and then small club runs and everything. So I was using that very organ. By then, we had it painted red, the whole rigs, <laughs> everything's red. You know, Bob's very visual. Right, right. And um, so, so some years later, we're playing two nights at Fenway Park. It was Kid Rock and Jason Aldean and uh, two sold-out shows at Fenway. And I'm sitting in the dressing room after we had done the show. We're just having some drinks. And um, he's talking about, you know, how I started in the band to everybody that was in there. I says, well, I got a confession. You know that broken key on the organ? And he's like, yeah. Nearest told me somebody broke that. And I'm like, yeah, that was me the first time I went and jammed with Robert Bradley. So <laughs> I apologize. They got it fixed. We're good. <laughs> so d- d- as a young man, did you dream of being a rock star? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you said you wanted to be a farmer. You played some hockey. But did, did, did. you visualize you being a rock star? Not so much being a rock star. I mean, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to, I like doing this. I love doing this. I would be doing this now, like either playing piano and singing my own stuff or just playing in a band, playing clubs, playing bars, or, you know, with Kid Rock. Mm -hmm. 
you know, in 15,000 seat arenas or festivals, you know, with 250,000 people or whatever, you know, playing Farm Aid or playing Woodstock like we did. I would be doing it in some way, shape or form in my living room, driving my kids crazy, you know, so they yeah. can't hear the television. Just it's, you got to do it. Jimmy, what would you tell the kids that are listening right now or maybe even adults mm-hmm. that have a dream uh-huh. and, and maybe it is a musician? Yeah. What would you tell them? That's a common question that comes up. And I mean, obviously, you've got to love it. Um, learn how to play, study, find. If you, if you uh, um, have a particular artist that you really want to, you know, tailor yourself after or that, you know, really speaks to you or something, find out who they listen to find out who that person was for them, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, Jimmy Page. I mean, you, Link Ray was somebody that, you know, with Rumble was somebody that really, really, you know, spoke to him and all the blues guys. You got to go back, study back. The other is if you really want to get into the music business, get a law degree after you learn how to play because you will be swimming with the sharks and lawyers are expensive, so... Get yourself yeah. a law degree. And, and people don't realize that, that that there is a business to just playing music. I mean, yeah. if, if, if you want to play with the big boys, yeah. it, there Unfortunately, is a Unfortunately, it becomes 95% business and about 5% music. And, Do know, you remember the yeah. first time that, that you took the stage and you, uh, you looked out at a huge crowd, if it was 10,000, if oh, it was so, 15,000, and pinch yourself and say, wow, like I've made it, man. Like I'm doing it. Yeah, I visualized this when I was a kid, and I'm doing it today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things that we did that in the early Kid Rock days was Woodstock. You know, wow. 2000, I think it was 2000, I believe. Um, but jumping up there, and it was, you know, you're in front of 350,000 people, and it's just like, wow, you know. But That's I, guess it's, I guess it's no different than playing in front of you know, five people in a club that show up, Yeah, you're still gonna, you got to still put forth the same energy because you want those five people to say, you got to come and see this guy. Yeah. You got to come and see this band. You got to come and see this gal, you know, that you got to, you want it to snowball. So no matter who's there, you've got to give, you know, your hundred plus percent. A question came in on social media, and they wanted to know, have you ever dealt with performance anxiety? Have you ever been scared to take the stage or got nervous before you went out and performed? I wouldn't say scared. I would say excited. You know, I'm always, I'm that guy that's, you know, paces and just because I want to get it going. I don't want to wait. Yeah. I don't know, like, okay, the time's gone about that. I do remember the very first time that we played live television and we were playing the MTV Music Awards. And we were playing Ba with the Ba, but it was, you know, that was something new. And you got one chance, one take, you know. That's right. And, like, <laughs> and I do remember my heart was pumping in my chest, you know, but it was, it was an excitement. Yeah. You know? Now, playing with Kid Rock, Uncle, you did a lot with Uncle Cracker as well. Yeah. You, even, you even wrote with him as well. Yeah, um, Double Wide, I wrote um, songs from Double Wide. Um, Better Days, which is the song that, that got him the deal. You know, I wrote that. Um, we recorded that early in the Kid Rock days. And, and then Bob's like, hey, you got to work on this song right here. 
and he wrote that as Better Days. What was it like the first time you heard yourself on the radio? Driving down the road and just hearing yourself. Oh, it was very exciting, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what, what song it was? It was really exciting. Um, it was, well, it was Bull God, um, because we had, uh, that was the first single from Devil Without yeah. a Cause, so... Um, hearing that on the radio, it's just like, wow, we made it it's huge, you know? And it's like, you know. And it's like, we'll keep listening, and then I'll keep listening, and then, and then, you know, they didn't play it that much. Right, you know? yeah. Not until Ba with the Ba did, did so things really explode. You played so much with other people. Did you always write for yourself as well when you weren't on the road with these other guys? Yeah, yeah. I always, I always would want to, you know, write my own music, you know, write original music. Um, find my voice, um, and and find it in what I love to listen to: the Rolling Stones and and Free and Bad Company afterwards, yeah. and things like that. You know, trying to find it in the blues and f try to find the blues and R and B in my voice and in my writing. In that, yeah, so I you know I definitely always go back to that. So what's That's your process roots. like when you're writing? You know, because I, 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 I know everybody's a little bit different. Some people yeah. just get be, you know, they get, grab a guitar, the piano. Yeah. Some get a couple cocktails. Yeah. Some, you know what I mean? What is it for you? How do you get that creative juice going? A lot of times it is. I just want to sit down and play. Sometimes I'll hear a riff in my head mm -hmm. and just want to, you know, okay, wait a minute, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing this. A lot of times it's in the middle of the night, you know, yeah. I wake up and I can't sleep or something. Of course, I can't run downstairs and start banging on a piano <laughs> at three in the morning and everybody's sleeping upstairs. But um, there's, yeah, I don't have any formula or anything like that, you know. For me, lyrics, and I agonize over lyrics because I don't want, I want to say that say things but I want to say them in the right way and okay how how better can I say this what what could make it more poetic you know yeah so uh, well, let's talk about your new album which I think is absolutely amazing you, and um, I mean the music on that and if you don't mind um, why don't you tell everybody about the new album okay well it's that it's not that new snake bit and wander I've got two singles that I did release after snake bit and wandering at the beginning of uh, 2020 but Snake Bitten Wandering, I put that out in 2017. I love the video, too, um, oh, thank on that you. one. Thank you. So, yeah, we, so do you remember some of that? Yeah. Um, I'll pull here. This is, this is the title song, so I'll, I'll give you a little taste of it. Um, Snake Bitten Wandering is kind of a metaphor for hitting rock bottom and being your own worst enemy, no matter what you do, you know, no matter what heights, you know. It's, it's kind of like... I wish I could just, you know, get rid of all my problems so I could go find a whole new batch of new problems. <laughs> right. You know, so, something like this. to the mat I used to smell a perfume Now I smell a rat With the devil drew a losing hand Like it's 1945 Living in Japan Been 
think of it so many times this day Don't know what it'd be like just to turn and walk away I don't know with what I'm dealing I'm sure enough got me a feeling When you're through with me I'm gonna be snake bit and wandering Yeah, when you're through with me I'm gonna be snake bit and wandering Hey, is there any hidden meaning in any of your music? Um, like, is it about people's lives? Is it about your life? And you kind of sneak it into your songs? Well, Come As You Are, I guess, would be a pretty good one. It's, um, it's it, the, the chorus is, you can come as you are, but you're never going to leave as you change. And I mean, you can figure it out. You can take it how you want. But really, to me, it was, you're born. But by the time you leave this world, you're changed. You're not coming in as, you know, as you entered it. But you wake up every day. You go through experiences on a daily basis or through the months or through the years, weeks. Everything changes you, hopefully for the better, hopefully for a, for a positive, you know. And, uh, you know, you can come as you are, but you're never going to leave as you came. And it's like... This world's going round and round Turntable keeps on spinning Folks are running on the tracks of time Some are losing and some are winning Standing strong and barely holding on Searching for a new beginning when you look at yourself, I hope you see clearer You can't lie to the maker, you can't lie to the mirror You can come as you are, but you're never gonna leave as you came Time goes by like drops of rain down the window pane You can come as you are, but you're never gonna leave So, Jimmy, what, what's it like for you to, to be on the road? Because everybody dreams about, right, being on the road. They dream, mm -hmm. they, they think that just because we travel and we right. do these things, that life is always easy. What was it like for you in the beginning, that first time you were, you, you know, you had your suitcase and, you, and you're getting on your first tour bus? Do you remember that? Like that, that first time you it like, wasn't wow. a tour bus it was a 15 passenger <laughs> van pulling a trailer and i was doing quite a bit of the driving you know really we sharing all the driving see this is everything. the stuff that jimmy i just I, I can't thank you for being so honest because people out there with a dream <clears throat> need to understand you just don't go from being a good uh, musician mm -hmm. to jumping up on stage and playing in front of 20,000 no, people. There, there's a grind to it, and people don't realize there's that. There's a pretty serious, very serious grind to it. And, you know, if you're 
very young and single and you don't have kids, it can be very easy and a lot of fun. Um, it can be, it's fun no matter what, but yeah, it's, it's tough when you've got a wife at home and you've got kids and everything and family that you miss and, you know, that, that's, that's the tough part, you yeah. know, and it can get very, very grueling and, um, it's very rewarding. The best part for me is, is, uh, when those lights go black and I'm waiting to go on stage, you know, house lights go black and we're up and I still feel the same way as I did when I was 14 years old or yeah. 15 years old going on stage at the VFW hall or at a, at a you know. Do you put out the same energy as you gigging here in Detroit when you have time as you being on stage with Kid Rock? Yeah, yeah, always, always. The thing is with that, People are waiting for you there. And I might be down one day. I might be a little under the weather. I might feel like, you know, might have things going on, right. you know, at home. Trying to get through those and navigate family life and home life and all of that and doing it from the road. And um, it's, you know, it's much like being a professional athlete, too. Right. But People coming to a show, they've been waiting, and that is their night. This is their night that they've been waiting. So they're on 10, you know, and they've been just anticipating this. When you walk on that stage, you've got to make them feel like they're the only people that matter and they're the only people in the world, and you're here for them and them only and you're here for them every night you know? now those of you that so. can't see jimmy right now he just had the biggest smile on his face <laughs> saying that and that's and, and that's the part oh, that's yeah, cool jimmy i always say um you know i feel like a, being a motivational speaker mm-hmm. um i feel like a modern day clown without the makeup nobody cares where i was last night right. nobody cares where i'm going today they're paying me to motivate and inspire their people today for the moment and right, and they're and, paying you for the moment. And no matter what's going on in life, people forget about that. Yeah, I'm not always that guy that people see on stage. Right, right, right. There, there's a human being behind the uh, behind the curtain. Right, you know, mm-hmm. and people don't realize that. Right, yeah. You know, when I'm when I'm on stage and I'm rocking and I'm be behind my rig and singing and everything. You know, I'm not always that person. <laughs> you <laughs> Have know? you ever messed up on stage? I mean, you've been playing twenty some years. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, 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 and I and I guess I asked that because you know um, the Outstanding Life podcast is about you know encouraging others, mm-hmm. and everything's not perfect in life. No, I mean if and, you listen to records, you you listen to records that are released, you'll hear mistakes that that's a, that was a mistake, but the producer like I like that, and they left it. Sometimes they're happy accidents. You know? Now, are you the same guy in the studio? doing an album as you are on stage because that's got to be tough. I I don't know how you are, but for me, I love feeding off Mm -hmm. the crowd. Yeah. And in the studio, you don't have that. (laughs) No, in the studio. I mean, it's, it's way more about the feel. Everything's got to be perfect. Um, This is going to live. This isn't just, let's say this, this moment that you're creating now is going to live forever. That's right. So, (laughs) In a live performance, unless it's taped or recorded, it's that moment, you know? Yeah. 
And, you know, if I flub a note, I fat finger or something, you know, whatever, you know, you know, something like that, you know, call those clams. Um, you know, that it happens. 95% of the people are not going to even notice. Exactly. That, you know, yeah. they're so amped up and enjoying the show. They're not going to miss. Oh, dear bones. You screwed up a note. You know, what is it? What's Jimmy bones like off the stage? Um, what do you like to do for fun? I mean, I've got my family. I've got kids. Um, my wife and I, we've, we've got, we're, we stay pretty close to home. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> Isn't that coming, funny how, how coming from, from spending so much time on the farm, you know, I get pretty huge vegetable garden. I'm getting ready to start seed right now per indoors, you know. I thought it, you were joking when you said that you still farm. I thought you were joking with me on the phone the other day, but you really are still a farmer. I, you know, yeah, those, those things never leave you, you know, so <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, yeah, I'll do my own repairs on cars and things like that. What? Or tractor or whatever before I'll have somebody else do it. No you know? kidding. Yeah, I'll do anything that, you know, if there's things around the house that need to be built, I'm not going to hire somebody to do it. Not because I don't, I'm not trying, you know, if... I, I'm all about supporting people. Yeah, absolutely. But there's, I know how to do a lot, huh? a lot of things, so I will definitely do those. Now, I've got a three-story house. I'm not going up there. <laughs> Anybody who wants to come and roof my house, I'm hiring them. <laughs> yeah. well, are, are there certain things that you don't do anymore because of what you do for a living? I mean, because let's face it. Your voice and your hands make you money. No, be, no, not really, because, you know, I'm... Always the first one to fire up a chainsaw. Um, you know, always the first one to jump on the table saw if I'm building something. Um, you know, I, I just try to take a lot of, lot of precaution and be smart, but accidents happen, and, and it has. I mean, I've got, I've got an index finger here that's been crushed. It's been cut three-quarters of the way off, you know. Have you ever played Hurt? <laughs> no. Because people are counting on you? No. No. Really? I, no. Luckily, I've, I've never had <laughs> an injury yeah. where, you know. So, you know, so listen, when, when you um, are doing and writing with other people, what's that like? Do you guys literally, I mean, because most people, Jimmy, they don't write songs, right? Most mm -hmm. people listening to this podcast right now, 98% have never written a song. Right. What's it like to get the creative juices going for two, three, four, five people? Do you guys sit in a room? Do you guys go and sit around a campfire? Do you go on vacation? Like, what is it for you to when you start writing with other people? I mean, I'm very open to people's suggestions, and I, when I write my stuff, I don't usually work with any co-writers. Um, I do take suggestions from people, but it usually comes more when I'm tracking in the studio and 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 somebody's got an idea or whatever. But by the time I go in. I've got the song written. I've done it. I've done it myself, you know, lyrically. I try to a lot of times involve other people. And for me, sometimes that can get a little frustrating because I think I, I'm, I'll be, by the time I'm done waiting for them to come up with something, I've finished it. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. Well, I finished it and I'm really happy with what I've, what I've got here. But it's like, well, let me hear what you got. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. All right, I'm glad you came up with that because I like yours, you know, your lines or whatever that you came up with lyrically better than what I did. 
a lot of people come to you wanting you to play on their album, on their single. Mm-hmm. People like a mutual friend of ours, Pete Merluzzi, and you yep. played on Doom Slide. Yes, Doom Slide. What's it like for you to play on other people's albums? Is well, that kind of fun, fun for you? Pete and I are great friends, and I, I love working with, you know, first of all, people that are very talented musicians, yeah. which Pete is. He's a phenomenal bass player. Um, he's really discovering with the doom slide thing, his voice, you know, his singing voice. And that is such a fun project to work on. And he sends me the tracks and, and I just like, I just have fun and I kind of get carried away with them and, (laughs) and send them. And I'm like, okay, Pete, I got carried away with this. You don't have to use all this stuff. And he's, uh, he's for the most part is like, Dude, this stuff is brilliant. We can't throw anything yeah. away. I love it. You know. Well, so. you also played on uh, Shadow and the Thrill with yes. Tony Cardenas, uh, yes. Montana, yes. Yeah. And, which is an incredible, great yeah. yeah, great album. What was it like for you to play on something like that? Because that, now that that album there was totally you, like that album. I, I, I you blues, had, yes, blues, rock and roll, R and B, rock and roll. You know, yeah, absolutely. And it was the the, uh, the track that I that I'm thinking of is in piano is um, I laid the piano on the grind, which is a cover of the yeah. Tommy Bolin song, the yep. grind. Um, so, and I actually laid the piano track and gave it to, sent it to, uh, um, to Tony. And he's like, I like it, but I don't like the tone of the piano. So I went and found a different piano <laughs> in a different studio and redid it. And he's like, you know, it's, that's awesome. You know, it's, you gotta, you gotta give a guy what he wants. That's right. Know, yeah. So. so it is fun for you to play on other people's projects. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. I, I, I read just the other day that you played, I don't know if it was live or in the studio for Hank Williams Jr. I've played, um, Oregon on a version of the of Amos Moses, really? Yeah, I played organ. And Bob called me into the studio because Hank wanted to do a um, an organ overdub, and he was in Bob's studio that we've done quite a bit of records, you know. And uh, so he's, yep, I'm, I want, we're doing this cover of Amos Moses, the Jerry Reed song, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. And he even credited as Jimmy Bones Distorto Hammond organ, you know. <laughs> That's, that's the way Hank is. Listen, you know? you, you've been playing for rock for, what, 20-some years? 20-plus years. 20-plus yeah, years. I, being backstage, and I've been backstage in a lot of different venues and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I know how many famous people are usually backstage hanging out. Have you ever gotten starstruck? I mean, I know how people are when mm-hmm. you walk in the room. They're like, oh, there's Jimmy Bones. Yeah, they're like, who's that? No, no. <laughs> But but all can aside, Jimmy, have you ever been starstruck where you're like, wow, that's so and so? Or I, I, I can I, think I, of a few moments where, you know, I was like, oh my god, I gotta you know get over and meet this person. You know, I mean, we, I used to go see the Jake Isles band religiously, <laughs> and then we ended up touring with Peter Wolf. But P- before that, Peter would show up at shows if we were playing up in Boston or New Hampshire, and for me, that was huge. Um, and, and, you know, now we're friends and, you know, talk from time to time and he's toured with us. He was part of the rock and roll revival tour Yeah, where he would, we would do uh, a part of the show and then we would introduce Peter Wolf and he would come on as a special guest and we would do, um, 
Let's see. We would start with Ain't Too Proud to Bag and doing some cool old R&B. Obviously, we would end up into Love Stinks and, yeah. and uh, Centerfold and, <laughs> and Must Have Got Lost. And he would do the whole repute of the beauty speech and everything. And it was such fun. And those are just treats. We opened for the Rolling Stones and I'm playing the first song and I look over my right shoulder and there's Mick Jagger standing side stage and, you know, you're like, oh, God, I hope I don't screw up, you know. <laughs> oh, man, I'm just sitting here listening to this story. I mean, and, that had to have been, like, really cool. One moment that's that's really always comes to mind, um, our original guitarist, Kenny Olson, and I, we played, we played uh, um, Farm Aid, and I forgot what year it was, maybe 2001 or something. And we do our show. And uh, then Willie Nelson, who, you know, he's really the originator of it. He's got a little thing off to the side and he and Rock are having an interview in front of cameras and everything. So then I go to the dressing room and we're just kind of hanging out and, and Bob comes in the dressing room. and He says, hey, anybody who wants to burn, Willie invited us on the bus to burn. He goes, I don't really smoke, but Willie invites me on. I'm smoking with Willie Nelson, <laughs> you know. So that's legendary. So he's like, Bones, Kenny Olsen, you know, who, Jason, every, you know, anybody that wanted to. Come yeah. on. So we end up on Willie Nelson's bus. And, wow. and when Willie's, when you're smoking with Willie, there's not just one being passed around. <laughs> you're pa- you, you hit it, you pass it to the next person, and then there's one waiting for you to take immediately. So... <laughs> Kenny Olson and I walk off the bus, and I'd swear it was like right out of Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. The bus opens, and all this smoke just comes billowing out, you know? And there's a bus parked there, and it's kind of getting twilight. And there's a guy sitting there on, with the bus door open, and he's sitting on the steps going down, you know, like he's sitting on the front porch. And we kind of walk up, and this voice says, yeah, that looked like some fast times at Ridgemont High coming off of there because, you know, <laughs> we were just stoned. And, and it's Neil Young. And we're like, oh, my God. And he's like, what are you guys doing? And he, we told him, and he's like, yeah, I saw your show, man. It was really cool. And um, he's sitting there, and he's holding this, and all of a sudden he opens his hand, and he's got a joint sitting there. He goes, yeah, I'm ready to go on right now. He goes, Willie gave me this. I don't dare smoke it before I go and do my show because if <laughs> Willie gave it to me, I know it's some good dope. <laughs> and so, so we, uh, Kenny and I had probably a 45-minute conversation with Willie Nelson, and, or I'm sorry, Neil Young. And um, it was so cool because we've always, you know, idolized Neil Young. Yeah. And um then we walk around the corner, we're like, okay, we got to roll because this, this was the last night of the tour and we were rolling home, going to jump on the bus. He goes, I have a good show and everything. So we walk around the corner and all of a sudden we both stop, like, you know, can you believe that? And we both just turned at each other and we didn't even say anything. We just go to running at each other and do this belly bump. <laughs> <laughs> And you don't have a belly either. <laughs> yeah, right. Kenny made up for it. <laughs> what does Jimmy Bones listen to when you're just hanging out? What kind of music? <laughs> the same stuff I grew up listening really? to. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, the Rolling Stones are in rotation all the time. Um, all of the R&B stuff. I've been, I, I kind of went down a Supremes rabbit hole again recently. <laughs> um, you know, the Four Tops, the Temptations. I try to, even with the catalogs of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and everybody that I grew up listening to, you know, you can't, you, you, you're still discovering things that you haven't heard yet, you know, because they have such immense catalogs, you know, and tried to listen to everything front to back, but you know, it's like even like rediscovering things like, Oh wow, man, I remember this, you know? So all of that, anything, if it's blues, if it's R and B, you know, can you walk by a piano without playing or do you have to play? It's really hard. It's kind of like you're walking past and it's just like, (laughs) must touch keys, you know, and it's like you're trying to pull away from it. You yeah, know, you can, but hey, so a lot of the guys in the band play golf. Are you a golfer? Yes. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I've just I've I've been. I'm a fisherman. Okay, you know, I like that. I like the outdoors, doing a lot of things like that. I've never golfed in in my life. Um, I've been to the driving range a few times, and it was pretty clear that I have no business frustrating myself <laughs> with golf just from those few visits to the driving range, you know, now, which is weird. Cause I played hockey and usually I was say, you it kind of goes hand in hand, but yeah. no, I just, I've just never, uh, you know, never tried it or when you're on the road, do you get to go fishing at all? Or is it like I concert have, yeah. after concert yeah. after concert? There was a time when we were in um, Boston, we were doing three shows. We were, we were on tour supporting Aerosmith mm-hmm. at the time. And, um, but it's like day on, day off, day on, day okay. off, always. And we were in Boston for five days. Well, a friend of mine who's an entertainment lawyer, he's like, hey, let's go striper fishing, you know? So he's like, come on up, stay at my place. Up. And he's lived in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. which, you know, small commutes when you're up there. And we ended up going out off of uh, out. We had to drive up to Maine actually, and find a, a captain that would take us out on that day. And yeah, that was really fun. You Man, know, not been cool. down south bass fishing and whatever. So Even, yeah, you fresh There's water? a few venues that have some ponds and that, or rivers, you know, and you just try and sneak it in whenever you can. Have you ever forgot what town you're in? Because you were playing the night before, just because, and I'm asking that because I've messed up, you know. And I'm like, I, I, one time, Jimmy, it was kind of funny. I'm like, um, "Good morning, Phoenix," and I'm in Pittsburgh, you know, in the winter time. Well, the right. night before, I was in Arizona, right? You right, know, right. and so have you ever forgot what town you're no, in? I can't say that I ever have. No, <laughs> no. but I can see how that happens because you know. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're. I, mean, I was flying back and forth all over the right. place, and yeah. you know, yeah, it's and like, it gets hey, to be. It, it gets to be uh, just quite the grind, and it can wear you down. Yeah, you know, or mentally as as well as physically. And people don't realize that, you know. Or how many times have you walked to, to uh, into the wrong hotel room, or not even in, just trying to get your key into the wrong room? <laughs> I was in Germany once, and we were doing festivals. Yeah, you know? and we we're at, we were staying at the same hotel with Metallica and Monster Magnet, and. Um, a bunch of other bands that were on this bill doing all the the speedway rock'em ring rock'em park in germany and i completely forgot what room i was in 
I knew what floor I was on, but I did not know, <laughs> remember what room I was in. And I'm like trying keys in the doors. And, you know, we had been out with the guys in Metallica and, and Monster Magnet mm-hmm. and, you know, did quite a bit of drinking. And it's probably like four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <clears throat> Do not know what room I'm in. Luckily, I walk past this room and it's open. And I peek inside and it was our tour manager, you know, I'm like, hey. He's like, oh, man, you're a mess. I'm like, what room am I in? <laughs> He's like, he texts the rooming list. You're in this one. Okay. Oh, wow. So it has happened to you then, too. Yeah, yeah. So, Jimmy, we're winding down and things, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't thank you you know, enough for hanging out with us on the Outstanding Life podcast. And I, I, you're just such an inspirational, motivational guy, man. I appreciate you. you telling your, your story. But the last question I have for you, is there any man, woman, band, dead or alive mm. that you would love to play with if you if you could go back in time or if you could make a phone call mm-hmm. who would you love to play piano organ with <laughs> or maybe it's a couple people elvis presley oh, the king of rock how, and roll you almost get goosebumps you know what yeah. i mean i mean how oh, yeah, cool man. would that be that and would be what song would you want to play with elvis Let's. Where do we start, man? <laughs> you know, obviously all of the early stuff, um, but I've always loved um, um, Kentucky Rain. Too. Oh, you know that's been. Do you a, know it? I don't know it. Okay, no, I was. No. Like... <laughs> Next time we get together, I'll learn, I'll have it. I'll know it. I'll learn. So Elvis, that's who you would be with. Yeah, definitely Elvis Presley. That's yeah, so cool. That would be, you know, and and in the era of the. The 50s, pre-Beatles, Elvis yeah. Presley would be, you know, kind and of keying on that. I know. said that that was going to be the last question, but I promise you this one is, is there one place that you haven't played yet in the world that you would love to go and play? Alaska. Wait, you haven't been to Alaska? Never been to Alaska. Jimmy, let's make this happen, because the only two places I haven't spoke <laughs> is Hawaii and Alaska. Okay. And I said I will not go to Alaska or Hawaii unless I was going there on a speaking gig. I, oh, can, right. I, I could go, yeah. get on a plane and go, but that's not right. the point. I want to say I've spoken in every single state. So let's make this happen. Yeah, because we could you do play, this. I could play solo, acoustic, whatever, you know. And, and I could do my motivational stuff and yeah. we could do like, you know, the Johnny yeah. B and I've Jimmy show. I've never been to Alaska. So if that's you are listening st- right now. That, in fact, <laughs> I've been to every state. That is the one state in the United States I have not been to. We've performed in Hawaii, which... There are not a lot of shows that happen in That's Hawaii right. because the it's such a huge expense to even oh yeah you know do it. So if you're listening right now, me and Jimmy would love to come to Alaska, hang out. We could go fishing there for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, man. you know <laughs> yeah definitely. You know it's funny because I had a a uh, a uh, a gig booked mm-hmm. and then COVID hit. Oh, in Alaska. So, yeah, in Alaska. And I was oh, going to be there speaking for a bunch of their yeah. school systems, yeah. you know, in Alaska. Yeah, 2020, the year that never was. That's right. I know. It's so weird. But Jimmy Bones, I can't thank you enough. It's, I'm going to let you end this. Tell people whatever you want them to know about you. Maybe it's something you, that's burning a hole in your heart that you want to reach out to people and just tell them. Maybe it's to say, you know what, thanks. But I think... I think, you know, especially nowadays, I think everybody just treat each other cool. Just everybody, everybody be cool to each other. And the one thing that I always, you know, there's days when I'm having a a really bad day or something like that. And then I have to stop and think, you know what? 
there's somebody out there, many people out there that wish they were having my bad day, you know? So, you know, every day is a blessing. Um, and, and we are all blessings. So treat each other well. Everybody treat each other well. Be kind. Jimmy Bones, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with us on the Outstanding Life Podcast. I'm Johnny D, the motivational cowboy, telling all of you, be safe, have fun, and we'll see you next time right here on the Outstanding Life Podcast. Listen to that.